and welcome to the Pearson English Podcast, the show in which my panel and I chat to the most interesting and influential people in the field of ELT. I'm your host, Joanna Weisman, and joining me on the panel this month are Richard Cleave. Hello. And Sam Wordsworth. Hello. How are we doing today? We're missing summer. It feels like we're coming to the end of summer and it's the year without any summer. So just looking forward to a hint of sunshine before summer ends, perhaps, if we're lucky. That's true. For listeners outside the UK, our summer has been rubbish, or let's say patchy at best. How are you, Joanna? I look uh, with envy um, at the map of uh, especially Europe, where there was a massive heat wave and we have grey skies. So, yeah, that keeps me going a little bit. Right. Anyway, let's get on with the show. Um, Now, it's the beginning of September, and for many children and students around the world, that can only mean one thing, back to school. But with such a turbulent year behind them, it's not surprising that some parents are feeling a bit nervous about the new term. So we ask listeners two simple questions. What worries you most about your children going back to school, and what do you need support with? To help address their concerns, we are joined by Vanessa Hartson-Walker, director and founder of Kids Can, an English language school for children and teenagers in Rome, Italy. Vanessa, welcome to the show. Hello, Uh, thank you for having me today. Um, So Vanessa, tell us a bit about yourself and how long you have been teaching. Uh, Well, I've been teaching English for over 25 years now, um, and I specialize in kids and teenagers. I am a teacher trainer, I have, um, as Richard said, two language schools here in Italy, uh, where we had the heat wave, by the way. And um, I'm also a Pearson Live classes uh, trainer, so used to being online. Um, And yeah, we've been online all year, hybrid teaching. So become experts in that too, which with kids and teenagers has had its challenges. I'm sure. Yeah. And yeah, and so yeah. tell us a bit about going back to school. Is September always a difficult time for students and parents? It is. It is because of the long holidays, you know, children and teenagers get into the holiday periods, so going to bed late, getting up later. Um, the transition from summer to going back to school is quite difficult for them um, just because of timing, getting into a new routine And, you know, especially as their routine in the past year has been different to a normal routine. We've noticed that the students have become a lot slower just because maybe they've just had to get out of bed and, you know, get onto a computer rather than, you know, getting ready for school. So probably that's that's the hardest is the actual transition in September to actually getting back to school um, and changing your mindset from, you know, maybe being on the beach to actually being back in the classroom. And what are you most concerned about going to the new term? Um, Well, I think probably, you know, there's a lot of people are worried about the learning loss, the learning slide. And I, I just try and recommend to parents really is not to worry too much about that. Um, Because at the moment, I think we should be meeting our children where they are at, and not where the world expects you know, them to be because they've been through a lot. Um, And obviously summer has been more of a release for them. 
you know, and getting some some places they may be having to think about having a vaccine as well. So that's an extra stress to add. Um, but you know, it's, it's it's mainly reassuring parents and children that it's going to be everything's going to be okay. We're creating a positive environment and um, you know, making sure that coming back to school is going to be a real positive experience um, for parents and for children. Okay, so let's um, let's see what our listeners um, are worried about. Um, here's our first question. Hello, my name is Giacomo from Italy. My worry about my children going back to school is how can we help them with that sort of learning loss they seem to have felt with this pandemic? How can we help them to catch up? Thank you. Right, as I said before, the learning loss is, is really um, a lot of parents worry. I think is is not to worry about it too much, but is to try and see where they are at their stage of learning maybe review um, what we've done. I know in our schools we do, um, you know, when the kids are going to come back um, this year, we're going to do a check and reflect. So to see what stage of learning they're at um, and, you know, not to put pressure on them too much as if, you know, what they've lost, but actually what they've gained during the year, you know, they've become um, more digitally aware, they've been able, they've become more flexible in different learning environments and focusing on the present rather than worrying about the past and the future um, and creating quite a mindful atmosphere in the schools and um, and helping, you know, parents can help their kids by, you know, trying not to be create too much of a stressful um, atmosphere for them and, you know, allowing them just to go back to school and, and, and accepting the present for what it is. And... To that point, and something you mentioned earlier was meeting children where they are at um, rather than sort of the general expectations. Do you think that's something that we need to do going forward? We just need to move our expectations in general or will they be able to catch up? I think we need to adapt to their probably learning levels. I think they're a lot slower. Um, I'm thinking it's going to take a while to catch up. Um, I think there's going to be, we're going to have to be a lot more flexible um, and adapting to their stage of learning, adapting to this new environment that we're going to have in the classroom and make sure that they're going to be able to, um, you know, in, in so many words, catch up, but adapt and be flexible, I think, um, without creating anxiety and them having this feeling that they've lost out on something. I, I think that's, um, you know, what, what parents and teachers are worried about, but you know, it's whatever we're creating in the classroom where they will feel most comfortable. And do you think that that lost learning that you mentioned has had a different effect on younger children, say, than teenagers, or is it um, pretty much the same or whatever, whatever age? Yeah, I, th I think it's had more effect because obviously, you know, younger kids are learning so much more. It's not just that they're, they're in a, you know, they're there to learn English they obviously their reading ability is going to be slightly lower than the average um you know writing and everything so we've got to take into you know account all of their abilities are probably just going to be a little bit lower than the, than the average that we're normally expecting so allowing for that and just making sure that we're not teaching to the lesson plan but teaching for our students and where they are at this moment absolutely all right um well let's play our next question then 
Hello, I'm Pedro from Spain. My daughter is going to start third year of primary this next academic year. And this coming academic year at school, all the teaching will be online. And I'm worried because my son is not uh, technological like us. How can you help us? Thank you. Yeah, that's that's been everybody's worry. <laughs> is to become more, um, you know, digitally aware and making our students digitally aware. You know, they may be digitally native, but they're not necessarily, you know, competent. So making them more digitally competent is obviously helping them as parents. I know parents don't have much time to actually do um, like a quick computer course, but maybe finding a study buddy where they can, you know, learn together. Um, I know my son, who's a teenager, if he needs to learn how to do something, he'll go and look at YouTube and find a tutorial. So there are lots of tutorials um, where you can, you know, maybe together with other students online, actually, you know, help each other become more um, digital, digitally literate. I think techno stress is a big problem for parents and, and students and and trying to reduce this for our students is 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 a big task for the teachers to, you know, taking into account that um, that's going to add to their to their stress. So I think what we found with having the schools is, you know, is having some kind of um, support for the parents, um, so they can ring up and you know when they're not connecting, it's incredibly stressful for them. But having someone there to talk them through. Um, you know, just be there with them and say, you know, okay, we're not connecting. Let's find out why we're not connecting. Um, so therefore, you know, there's an enormous amount of staff training as well because, you know, not everybody is is a help desk, you know, a Microsoft help desk or whatever. Um, so it, it is a problem, but it can it can be, you know, addressed slowly. So in, in answer to Pedro, really, it's, it's, you know, don't panic. It's obviously going to be difficult. Yeah but the school's going to be there to help you and that you Absolutely. can help by looking things up and, and going through it with your, your children yeah. at home. And being very patient. I think that's a really big word with being online is, is patience. Well, with that, shall we go on to our next question? Enrique, desde España. El curso que viene, nuestros hijos, mellizos... Next year, our twin children move to another school as we've got a new address. We'd like to know how we could support them, above all emotionally, to compensate the loss of friends and schoolmates from the centre they're leaving, something which is crucial at these ages. Very. That's a big transition for you and your children. So probably creating um, a positive environment in your home. I think communication is really important so kids don't feel isolated. Um, I know parents don't have much time, but I think becoming connected is something we've all learned from this past 18 months. Um, so becoming connected in the actual home is, you know, really important. I think if you're a parent, you need to model children will very often follow our behaviour. So if we have a positive attitude towards it, you know, your kids will automatically become more positive about it. Making time to talk about what new you know emotions are going to be approaching and maybe talking about how you change school making meal times family times um and having you know just even five minutes a day to to talk about the day 
Um, and then obviously us as parents, we need to probably try and connect with other parents and, you know, and try and help aid with the, the you know, the friend making, because obviously we've all become so much more detached, you know, not actually going into a school environment every day. So obviously the onus is more on the parents to actually participate a little bit more, talk to the teachers, maybe the teachers could create a kind of, a, a, you know, welcoming party for the new students so they can find out because if they're coming in obviously to a year where the other kids all know each other maybe you know they introduce themselves to to them and um and they can create a nice environment so it's welcoming for them and you know turning it into a really nice emotional environment so everyone's welcoming them i think and if we uh, a little bit extend this um for the last 18 months, children, um, they haven't been seeing each other. They haven't been socially interacting, mostly. Um, so now when they're back in, and I think that also applies to even adults, we find it being socially awkward yeah. because we almost like forgot how to interact yeah. with other people yeah. face to face. And especially with children, they go through emotional developments. They, they, they are shy. They don't know how, they almost forgot how to interact. Yeah. How can, yeah. how can parents and uh, schools support into going back to the face to face interaction? Well, that's, that's dedicating the first few lessons to actually getting kids, you know, to talk to each other again, finding out about their summer, um, you know, maybe bringing an object in that they can talk about, which is personal to them, you know, making it more of an environment where the learning just, you know, we would just take a break from that and, and really worry about how the, the emotional state of the classroom is going to be um, and dedicate some time to that rather than, you know, let's get straight into the curriculum. I think that that should be, um, you know, the, the actual mental well-being of, of the uh, of the students is, is probably top of the list at the moment, really. And so not pretending that nothing's happened, you know, not pretending that the yeah. pandemic didn't happen, but actually just, you know, trying to legislate. Well, yeah, because, you know, children know they may have someone, you know, it's, it's been it's been enormous for them. Um, so, you know, we're developing their coping skills as well, talking to them about, you know, everyone explaining their own experience, sharing experiences that they've had over the past 18 months, I think is really important, even negative and positive. It's, it's you know, it's creating that sharing kind of environment, which I think is important, um, you know, and, and if, if, you know, situations of anxiety do come up, you know, maybe um, introducing some mindfulness into the classroom, allowing them to deal with anxiety. I think that's, you know, mindfulness is is big in schools in the UK at the moment. And I know we are introducing it a lot um, into our classrooms because it just gives, it's a real precious tool that allows children and, and teens, especially, although they won't admit that they need it, that they can use it, you know, just taking a few deep breaths even before walking into the classroom is some is a mindful practice that they can do. Um, and I think that, you know, it's, it will build resilience as well. Another way of making the classroom more mindful is actually having your students become grateful and kind to each other. So having daily acts of kindness and making them actual, actually grateful for 
the smaller things in life, which I think we have become um, over the past 18 months, it really has, you know, family has become more important. Having a pet has become more important. Friends are important. Um, and making them aware of that and, you know, and actually being thankful for, for where we are at the moment and what we've got, I think, I think is really important. Okay, so let's uh, hear a question from Claudia in Italy. Hello, my name is Claudia from Italy and my biggest worry about my kid going back to school in September is about how to help him to be autonomous. I'm talking about a kid in primary. Yes, parents are really worried about autonomy because obviously they've been so reliant on us in the past 18 months. Um, so actually sending them back to school is a worry. You know, we, we can use the powerful tool of storytelling and films um, where there are characters who, you know, are demonstrating uh, courage and being brave. Um, and then you can use that as an opportunity to um, talk about it with your children. You know, there are lots of um, models that um, children can can see and they can use those, which will hopefully, um, you know, make them a little bit more confident about actually going back to school and, and you know, give that opportunity to you as parents to, um, you know, to follow on and, and talk to your kids about, you know, this new back to school experience that they're going to be having. So, Vanessa, I think you mentioned confidence there. And I think there may be something in our next question which touches on this as well. Claire from Spain. When my son enters school, I want to know if there are any extra activities I can do with him that will help with his English, apart from the homework he is already assigned by his teachers. Yes, um, there are. Uh, apart from the, you know, the activities that they've got, which are books that they're doing, I think encouraging children to read, read together, listen to the audio um, is a great way of getting them to absorb English in a way that is not, you know, just connected to grammar exercise books or, you know, doing activities. And, you know, by reading, um, they can listen to the audio, you can do it together. You know, you can do the activities at the back of the readers as well together and making it a, you know, a joint learning experience for the both of you. And um, there, are, there are plenty of, you know, books and also books read aloud online that you can you can watch together. I think it's a great, great way for you to to learn together or also, you know, watching TV together in English or watching films together in English, um, I think is, you know, excellent way. I know sometimes it's a bit of a fight to get them to come away from their mother tongue and put that in English, but, you know, kind of bargain with them and say, well, let's do five minutes together. And then, you know, maybe each day we, we add a couple of minutes um, and... They can feel the benefits. When you mention uh, watching films or TV together, do you recommend watching English films with local language subtitles or just without subtitles? I, I think try, try what, whatever's good for you. You know, I think in the beginning, maybe what helping, helping them, because obviously there are some English language programs where even I have to put the, the, the subtitles on. Um, so I think that it's, you know, if you're adding subtitles, uh, they're reading, so you're adding an extra skill. 
um, which I think is is good for for primary school and for teenagers. You know, we're, we're giving them an extra possibility to to understand um, and maybe pause it. You can have they can make vocabulary records if you want to. Um, new words that they're learning, uh, new words that we're all learning as a family. Um, and make it a family learning experience. Um, I think it's really important. Yeah, and you're dead right, actually, you know, they're probably doing that anyway, watching lots of cartoons and things um, in the morning. And certainly my son is, is always asking me, Dad, what does what does this word mean? And, and where have you heard that? Or you had it from, you know, a programme you've watched in the morning or something. So it's a really, really good way, isn't it, to pick up on um, emergent language? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Noticing, noticing lots of, uh, you know, emergent language that, that that's there. And, you know, it's all authentic. So, you know, what better way to actually look at authentic English than, you know, watching videos, which they, they love watching videos. So, um, you know, it's quite motivating for them too. Um, I think Claire also touched on a very um, important um, thing that has occurred in the last 18 months where parents um, started playing a much bigger role in their children's education. Because children were at home, studying at home, parents had to spend more time helping them with studies and assisting them. Do you think that it's something that will stay, that expectation of a greater involvement and how to to support parents going forward, especially those whose English is not that good? Yeah, I think that the onus probably is there on the school or on the teachers um, to kind of maybe continue to involve the parents in some way. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know whether parents have that much time. I, as a parent, don't have that much time. But I think that there are ways that schools can maybe look and, and remember that parents have had a big involvement in their learning in the past 18 months. Um, and so I think they need to be commended for that, sent medals home, well done, thank you, being grateful because, you know, they've, they've kept it all going and they've, you know, they've been fantastic support to all schools and teachers in the past 18 months. So, you know, um, the certificate that should go home saying thank you. Thank you for all of your hard work over the past 18 months. I completely agree. My wife deserves a medal for sure. Um, yeah. Now, should, should we do one more question? Um, we've got Manu from Spain. Hello, my name is Manu from Spain and my main concern, apart from safety, is that my daughter does not progress in the course and loses the thread. Yeah, this is this is connected to, you know, continuous uh, loss of learning. But I think here it's really important, as I said, to see which stage of learning they are and but continuous monitoring and feedback. I think feedback is the biggest thing here um, and communication with the parents um, to say, you know, they're, they're here. This is where we are. Maybe you could do a little bit more at home. Um, maybe we could revise a little bit more at home or these are more activities that they can do in order just to um, encourage them to build up again if there, there is, you know, a slight loss of, of the thread of, of the course. But, you know, I, I think that's. Um, also allowing you know talking about autonomy is also allowing students to evaluate their learning continuously I think is really important so they can see where you know where their problems are and what they find difficult so you know and feeding that back to the teachers that's 
so important for a teacher to know where she or they are going wrong um, and what, what the students need. You know, so as I said before, it's teaching for the students, not teaching for the curriculum. Um, and I think you also touched on it a little bit earlier, but um, that element of reflecting and even the, the, the past 18 months, they have been um, difficult and we, we see the, the loss of learning. But um, should we also a little bit have a different way of looking at it and focus on some things that students um, have developed, some skills, some knowledge they develop because of the situation they ended up in? Um, and they could use it going forward and help them. They are aware they, they, they missed something. They maybe they are not sure what it is, but they've missed something in terms of education. But can they use the skills that develop? Can they identify them and use them going forward to help them progress and continue their education? I think so. I think I think you know we, we, we did this in our schools is we, we allowed each of the students to actually teach the class something that they've learned in the past year you know whether it be um copy and pasting whether it be you've got a connection problem you know troubleshooting um you know including that so the the, the students actually become teachers and we can all learn something from them because you know we've all been so disconnected everyone's been at home we don't actually it's been difficult for teachers to monitor what they've actually learned so yeah all the other skills that they've they've picked up um is is, is about sharing you know and and getting back in the classroom and getting them to talk about that. All right. So, um, Vanessa, before we go, what's one last bit of advice that you will give parents as they go back into to school this this term? What's what's the one bit of advice you would give them? Live the present. Don't worry about the past. Don't worry about the future. Be there for your kids when they need you, but live the present and and you know and enjoy it. Enjoy the moment. I think and make it celebrate the fact that they're going back to school rather than making it a negative, oh, what's going to happen? No, let's celebrate that we're all going back into the classroom and you're going to be with your friends again, I think is the most important thing. Every parent should go with that thought uh, in September with these children to school. Well, that's about all we have got time for this month. Thank you so much to all of the parents who sent in their questions. I hope you and your children have a fantastic start to the year. And a big thank you to our guest, Vanessa. I'm sure you have reassured a lot of our listeners out there. Where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me on most of the social networks. So Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Just type in my name, you'll find me there. And I will gladly connect. So it'd be lovely to hear how everybody's got on. It'll be, it'll be really good to hear the positives and the negatives it's, it's always good to hear so good luck everybody <laughs> and uh, thanks as well to my panelists this month uh, sam and richard you're welcome thank you and as always thank you for listening for questions suggestions or any other feedback please email us at pearsonenglish at pearson.com or visit our facebook page pearson english and if you enjoyed this episode Please like, comment and subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. And until next month, this is the Pearson English Podcast. Bye.